days. How are you guys? What's up? You're looking. How are you going? Yeah, good, buddy. It's uh, good to be back together doing this stuff again. We've, we've had a little break. <laughs> we've had a big break. I feel like, what, 10 weeks at least? It's It's been a while. It's been a while. So uh, that's good to get back on here and, you know, chatting about this stuff again. So keen to get in. Keen to get into the new one. Ditto. How are you, Rubes? Yeah, good, mate. I can't believe we're on to a season three. That's <laughs> two. Yeah. Season three of a podcast where three random dudes read stuff they have no business in understanding. <laughs> well, you know, you got to start somewhere, so we might as well start with the best. <laughs> Speaking of the best, I am drinking some Akashi Japanese whiskey tonight. It is yum yummy. Uh, what are you drinking there, Lachlan? I'm in the... Uh... Young Henry's Newtowner Pale Ale. Oh, into camera. There we go. It's pretty good. Pale it's uh, usually uh, out of out of my normal uh, buying circle, but someone was kind enough to leave it at my house, so you know that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was surprised it wasn't gin, so that's good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> how about Rubes? What'd you get? Oh, I've got uh, Aviator Gin and. With a bit of tonic. So. Oh, is that um, the Ryan Reynolds Ryan one? Ryan Reynolds one? It is, yeah. 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 For those uh, listening to the audio, Ruben held up his quality handmade copper cup there. <laughs> yeah, I love him. Very sweet. Where did we get those from? The coast. It was a winery. It was... North... Was it Casa 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 Green? Casa Green, so. you put Yeah, that's yes, one. Yeah, yeah we put Macquarie. Yeah, mm. they're lovely. The inside of them looks like the Holy Grail cup out of Indiana Jones. It's just that bright, exactly glowing rose like. gold color. <laughs> it is exactly awesome. what yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're really nice. <laughs> well, um, season three, we are heading back to secrets <laughs> um so this is our copy of the book so this is the first time all three of us had the same copy isn't it uh, yeah, i think so like as in the same version oh yeah yeah i forgot to order that exact book but i did check the copy that i did have and it's the same translation so oh awesome um so yes yeah, so what we're going to be reading from this is uh Apology, the death of Socrates, <laughs> uh, the death of Socrates. Um, so it's book two in this book. Um, now, Ruben, you've read this before. Uh, I, I have one. not. Yeah. Uh, Lachlan, have you? No, no. Okay, so Ruben, you're going to be the closest thing we have to an expert for this one. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Um, so you've read it more than once. Um. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've listened to it on audiobook, I've read through it at least once, and then just gone back to different parts several times. Um, right. I love it. I, I think it's, I, I think, it, well, for what it's worth, I think, I, I would say that's essential reading. I think everyone should read it. Essential reading? Yeah. For uh, everyone playing along at home, it's it's pretty short, so it's um, definitely approachable if you want to, um, you know, get into some, um, some Play-Doh, that's a... 
not a, not a hard one to tackle by the size of it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm looking forward to it uh, for that reason in part uh, because I think it's good that we can read it and then discuss it. Um, it's easier for people to listen to. Uh, they get the added bonus of not just getting to listen to three wolfheads, but they actually hear the whole book as well if they persevere with us. So <laughs> that works well. <laughs> um, sure. But yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I I got the complete works of Plato, gosh, maybe three months ago, and I've been reading different parts, but I've intentionally not read this, so I um, have fresh eyes for this season. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, how about you, Lachlan? How do you feel about it? Yeah, look, I know um, like Rubes referenced this um, this book a couple of times while we we're doing the Republic. Mm. and um just so you know ever since then i was sort of keen to um keen to get in and do this one so yeah i'm really looking forward to it it's um yeah anyway we'll, we'll get into it and we'll sort of see but i i haven't read it yet uh i've been purposefully sort of holding back a bit like you too tim um i, I might have like read the first couple of paragraphs or something like that and i'm gonna gonna <laughs> Hold on and savor this a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it should be good. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so for anyone listening, what this is going to be is the trial of Socrates, um, uh, basically. And I'm not going to, I guess it's a spoiler, but not really because it happened like, what, three, four thousand years ago or something. Um, <laughs> 399 BC, I think. Yeah, so it was that 2,400 years ago, roughly. Um, yeah. But yeah, Socrates gets put on trial and uh, he loses and uh, then he is put to death. But he chooses basically to um, commit suicide. But that that is basically, that's the, the sentence. The sentence is you have to die by suicide. Um, but uh, it's, it's roughly broken up into two sort of two roughly bits in that it, he first it records his defense so he gives a speech about defending why he's not guilty then he's found guilty and he gives another speech about um what he thinks of the the verdict um because basically the way it worked back then was um when you were found guilty you were allowed to s essentially submit on what you think the sentence would be Oh, okay. So it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case that they had like like nowadays. It's like you have a you know you, you commit murder and you do X amount of years, uh, or in that range of X amount of years. Uh, back then, it, it doesn't for, particularly for this kind of thing. It didn't seem to uh, work that way. Um, yeah. So um, I won't say too much more because it's uh, really interesting what he says after he's convicted and what the outcome is. Um, and there's a lot of discussion that can be had about that. But um, yeah, it's very. It, Oh, it's very cool. I love it. So, um, one thing to kind of keep in mind too um, is just that this is the story according to Plato as well. So it's not exactly like a uh, you know court secretary who's like recording you know exactly what's transpired. Um, so this is it's definitely like through the lens thing. of yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. So th so this is you know through the lens of Plato and. Um, Obviously, he was a um, a student of uh, Socrates, and um, you know, he's actually mentioned. Uh, I think his Plato is actually named in. He is uh, from uh, what I saw. In, 
he was there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he was there, but um, you're right. It's not a transcript. It's his uh, his record of it, recording of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more of an eyewitness statement of what happened. Oh, uh, yes yeah, because I saw some commentary about like uh, Aristotle kind of throwing some shade on it. Um, <laughs> that uh, you know, basically, it's a work of fiction. Um, did he albeit, go? And it has some good points. Did he say it doesn't have the form of a hearing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you got to remember that Plato, Plato, loved this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the Socrates like, fan club. It was his father and his mentor and. Yeah, all that sort of gear, so. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of Kobe, right? (laughs) Yeah. The amount of stuff you see about Kobe on social media now, it's like he's worshipped so much more than he used to be, and he was pretty highly worshipped before. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so it's sort of (laughs) like that. Yeah, nice. Well, for those um, viewing, by the way, you will notice I have a Croatia hat on. Um. It's kind of hard to miss if you're on the video. Guys. Yeah, it's, so uh, it's uh, because I went to Croatia as sad. well as uh, Italy and France and stuff, and um, I got some pretty cool uh, philosophical things over there, which I'll share over the coming weeks. Um, mm. But I also got to read some Epictetus over there as well. But I didn't take Socrates or Plato, and I was like spewing once I was over there because I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, why didn't I bring a Bloomin' Plato book? Yeah, but did you go to Greece? You didn't go to Greece. I didn't go to Greece, but when you're sitting amongst Roman ruins, it kind of just feels like that's the place to read it. <laughs> so I was like, meh. But um, <laughs> I did get to see um, some other cool stuff, which I'll, I'll share later. But did you guys did you guys read much between seasons? Because I've, I've read a lot. Um, and I was kind of missing so the... Missing the interactions we have and the the regular catch ups about it. Yeah. My poor wife. <laughs> <laughs> what when you don't talk to us, you talk to her about philosophy. Is that how it Well, we were driving from Pompeii to ANSI and all that sort of stuff, like right across Europe and she would listen to some music and then the kids would choose some stuff and it'd be my turn and I'd be like uh, I want to listen to this talk by uh, Jordan Peterson or this talk by, uh, yeah, <laughs> Bishop Barron. And, um, yeah, the kids would just put their headphones on and start doing their own thing. <laughs> so. so what did you, um, what did you read over the break then? Uh, I read, well, I read, um, I haven't got it on me. I can't recall the name of it, but I read a whole book of Epictetus. I read... Uh, probably half of the Republic again on my phone, which isn't the same as holding it in a book. Um, I had a, another book on Roman history um, just after Caesar's period, which I bought Reuben at that bookshop that we went to down south. Yep. Um, but the Epictetus book has two other books in it too. So it had Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. So I read that. I read a, a part of that while I was standing on the stairs at the top whilst looking at the statue of Marcus Aurelius on the horse <clears throat> in Rome. That was mad. I was like, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I must look like such a dork. Like everyone else is there looking at the statues. And I'm like, all right, I'm here. Here comes the book. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet heaps of people do that. 
I didn't see anyone else do it, but you're, you're probably right. It's <laughs> probably like one every two months that just comes and does yeah. it. Or a class of people in a van or something. I'd love to hear yeah. from somebody else who's done that, done that same thing or similar. The, the one place I met someone talking about philosophy was we're walking through a national park in Croatia doing a bushwalk thing and there was just hundreds of people everywhere. And I'm walking along and I hear these guys talking about Marvel movies and characters from Greek mythology and then they started talking about philosophy. Like I just heard them for like five or six minutes talking about it in English while I'm in Croatia. <laughs> and I was just like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> what if I join in? They're like, sure. <laughs> so then we just talked for like 10 minutes. It was awesome. So, so you, cool. you almost did a Socrates. Yeah, nearly. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys putting on lunch? Because uh, uh, I'm hungry. <laughs> I should have asked that question. <laughs> but... um. The only thing I think I added was that I knew of more than one character from Greek mythology in Marvel. <laughs> I think that was about all I was able to add to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. So, that was fun. <clears throat> what about you, Lachlan? Cool. You've been hooking into any, anything literary-wise? No, man, because you, you know what? The thing is, when we're doing the, uh, the podcast, I very specifically put away some time um, on Sunday morning to to do some reading right because i find almost any other time i'm just too down tired to be able to uh to read i get this thing where as soon as i sit down uh, my body goes oh okay it's it's time to relax and i'll start to fall asleep and um yeah so i I don't know i think in the break i've just been um um, switching to um to running on things a little bit earlier on the on the sunday morning so uh I must admit, like, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of keen to get back into the, the motion of this because I know I'll, I'll get back into uh, into reading a bit more. So I'll, I'll fit it back in my schedule. <laughs> yeah, nice. nice. How about you, Rubes? What have you been reading? Uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff. But uh, the main thing that I actually forgot to tell you guys about that I've been, I'm pretty pumped to talk about is um, I read a book called Utopia by Sir Thomas More. Um which is written like in the 1500s. Um, but basically what was interesting about that is it's kind of like uh, a um, like early humanist version of the Republic. Yeah, right. Yeah, and like reading through it, it's clearly that's what he's doing. Because you know how, yeah, how uh, Socrates does, or Plato does the whole imaginary city as, as an ideal. Mm. Well, this bloke, Sir Thomas More, who was a, a Catholic British politician um, at a time when being Catholic was pretty dangerous, um, basically did a similar thing, but um, with a different spin. And it, it was fascinating to read. And it's the kind of thing that if I hadn't read The Republic first, I would have been like, I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm putting that on our list. We'll get to that eventually. No rush. <laughs> And that's quite short. What what did he uh, do with it? So did that give him any sort of like notoriety or um, or did there, was Um, there any sort of discussion sort of out of that in the end? Yeah, apparently I don't know too much about the blowback, but it was pretty, like it was pretty famous at the time. um, And like humanism was like an early movement and humanism was in in the early days, uh, they'd read around when they rediscovered a lot of the ancient Greek texts that had sort of mm. been either buried or forgotten about for a long time. And 
the humanist movement was big on going back and, and reading some of those classics and, and getting some of those ideas back into circulation. So that's why, um, I, I guess that's probably partially what led to him writing that sort of thing. But it was also during a time of like extreme political turmoil, turmoil in Britain. Like, I mean, Thomas More ended up getting burnt at the stake. Yeah. Um, or executed. I don't know whether he was burnt or whether he had his head shot. It doesn't matter. He was killed. Um, What's his last name? Can you spell it? More M... M-O-R-E or M-O-O-R-E? M-O-R-E. Thomas More. I wonder if he... Is that the same More that they refer to with More College in Sydney for the Bible teaching school? Oh, I don't know. Probably. I'll have a look at that while you keep explaining this book. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, but it's in, it's presented in a really interesting way. Like um, it's a dialogue. So, you know, it's a throwback to um, Plato. Hmm. Um, when you read it, it's not presented as fiction. Right. Which is also a throwback to um, Plato. Um, but it's it's a dialogue from a guy who came from, who visited this fictional place that Thomas More is setting up as the ideal state. Right. Um, so that, that character is fictional and he's talking about a fictional place, but it's presented as um, as being real. And then also there's all these little, there's all these little subtle things in it that show you that it's not real, that it is fictional. But then what's fascinating about it is <laughs> him and this other bloke actually wrote letters to each other as if they'd actually met this bloke, but he never existed. Um, so the copy of the book I had, had letters that they'd written to each other about meeting this bloke who didn't exist. Um, <laughs> it's all like really meta. So it's very interesting, but I think, I, I could be wrong, but my reading of that is that's just a total throwback to the whole Plato thing where Plato's like Socrates actually said this, but then you kind of you kind of go, well, how do you know that's really what he said? How much of this is Plato and how much of this is Socrates? So they've yeah, kind yeah. of uh, a bit of a play on that, which is just fascinating. Yeah, nice. So I was half right. Uh, More College is named because of a chap called Thomas More. It's just a different Thomas More. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think that's the dude. No, it's uh, so it was a Thomas More who came to Sydney in the early 1800s. All oh, right, yeah, so there you go. Like, probably named after him, though. Perhaps could be. <laughs> so, oh, that's cool. Um, did you wind up uh, finishing that uh, 1984 thing as well, Rubes? Um, no, I I'm probably about two thirds of the way through it, but it's set up as different um lectures and essays so it's great you can just pick it up and and do it but yeah you're right that's another fascinating one um there's some stuff in there which was really surprising because i just assumed because it's kind of it's not un but it's like a they're attached to the un and it's this is in the 80s before the berlin wall fell and i just explain to the readers at home because they won't know what we're talking about i know you when we were in a bookshop in the in katoomba in the Blue Mountains, we did an episode, but we haven't released it yet. Uh, and it was my 40th birthday, and we found, um, well, Lachlan found this book, and he bought it for my birthday, so I'm having a read of it. But it's, um, I forget what it's called, but it's essentially all of these essays from a meeting. Um, I don't have it on me, so I can't tell you what they are, but they're, they're an organization who are attached to the UN, but the book is from, I think, 81 or 82. No, actually, sorry, it is from 84, because... They're discussing Orwell's ideas of 1984. Um, 
but it's really interesting. It's before the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. And I just assumed because it was attached to the UN, it was just going to be a bunch of globalist idiots. But um, what, I'm finding <laughs> reading, what I'm finding reading that book is there was a real diversity of opinions um, that were presented. I don't know how like influential those opinions were, but uh, I'm finding it really interesting to read. Hmm. There you go. Good so I imagine like um, a lot of that would still be pretty relevant for stuff that's going on right now. So, uh... Oh, crazy, crazy how relevant it is. Um, because they, they're essentially, the, the gist of the meeting that they had where they had all these academics come was to talk about you know, what are the, what was, what were Orwell's predictions and what was, what's the risks and, you know, are we getting there and is it, what was he warning about and are we, um you know, are we heading in that direction, that sort of stuff. There was one really yeah. fascinating essay where one bloke was basically arguing that we are heading that way, um, but it's a result of globalist influences, which he acknowledged were put in place to stop nationalist in, in, in influences like Germany, like things to fear, like actual totalitarian states. But he's like, he almost argued that it's an inevitable that those globalist influences would take on those same characteristics, which is a risk, which mm. I don't know, that's pretty interesting considering where we've headed since then. Isn't that a long winded way of saying absolute power corrupts? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, coming back to the other book that you were reading that you said was a bit of a knockoff from the Republic. Um, yeah. you mentioned how it's like they're, they're going back into pulling out all these Greek writings and, and reading all these things. Do you think that's sort of happening, happening again now? Like, I feel like there's a bit of a resurgence of that. There's a lot of people looking at the old stoic writings and. Well, the, yeah, the humanists, the humanists were like reformation times. So if, I don't know if you know anything about the history from that time, which I know a little bit about, not a great deal, but there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of political turmoil, a lot of, um, rejection of the old systems um and yeah that's right there was a reaching back to some of the more classic um greek and roman literature and i don't know maybe it was to try to find some kind of stability and i i do think you see that now like that's maybe what we're doing the three of us is doing is is in a way part of that i think sure i don't Um, agree with that i remember talking about that in a different way ruben a while ago about um, music and uh, I think you said or maybe we just got there together but I think it was you um, about how when people are disenfranchised with the state of the current culture they tend to go back to their like paganistic their music or the roots of the you know older tribes yeah I reckon it's probably similar with what's going on here yeah, well, that was 100% something that was happening back then and probably happening now, yeah. Actually, interestingly, because that whole humanist and um, uh, reformation turmoil and revolution, that came off the back of uh, the printing press. Like mm. the printing press was one of the things that led to or the, made the that... Gutenberg, Gutenberg Bible. And... Yeah, exactly. And, and now we're probably doing a very similar thing off the back of the internet. Yeah, I think so. So I don't know, maybe it's uh, similar influences. What's funny, Tim, you know, you're talking about uh, music there because I was listening to something uh, the other day where they were saying how um, Triple J, which people outside Australia wouldn't know, it's it's like a national youth radio network sort of thing, um, is losing popularity massively. 
And strangely, what's taking off is, what's it like, uh, like 95.3, which is like the oldies station and young people are starting to listen to all the old music again, <laughs> rather than, <laughs> rather than just, super odd. Yeah. I think that's funny. Hmm. <laughs> There, there Actually, my wife said something though. similar to that. My wife went to an engagement party recently, and all the she was saying all the music was like, like early '90s stuff. Yeah, and she's like, and it was an engagement for somebody who's like maybe like much younger than her, like in their twenties, like you know, twenty years younger than her, and she couldn't. She's like, hang on, why are they listening to this music? This is the music that I'm almost too old for. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think it's um, yeah, it's been quite funny, but uh, I think the generations that have been sort of coming through—I don't know what that is, um, Gen Y, Gen Z, or whatever it is—I think have been really just sort of like grabbing on to past generation stuff and sort of carrying it forward. I don't think there's necessarily been as much sort of development of their own kind of flavor, if you know what I mean. And the '90s was was pretty. Uh, creative i would say like there was a lot of different stuff coming up that they weren't sort of riffing off previous generations quite so much yeah it it was a a pretty fresh thing at the time i I don't think we really had much of that in the sort of couple of decades afterwards but i think part of that is because hip-hop used to steal the music from other music and reappropriate it and then you also had at the same time techno coming out which was people taking samples and then messing around with that. So you had a lot of like recycle music. And um, I think like what hip hop artists did with that recycle music was still fresh and new most of the time. Um, but then once you start recycling the hip hop artists <laughs> that recycled, it starts getting a bit too thin. <laughs> yeah, there's, so much, there's so much of that on the radio at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's hysterical, you know, like, my kids will have it on or something like that and i'll hear something and go oh my god they're doing that again come <laughs> to death that song <laughs> like the fourth time through the through the rinse you know we we're in the car in um france and listening to spotify and this um what was spotify anyway oh yeah paul mccartney came on with live and let die i was like yeah. oh this is so damn good and then i remembered as a teenager playing the Guns N' Roses version for my old man and going, listen to this, this is awesome. And I remember him like listening to it the whole way through and he goes, that's okay. And he goes to the garage, gets his vinyl, comes out with Andrew (laughs) and goes, listen to this one. (laughs) And I remember just sitting there just going, whoa, this is way better. (laughs) And I love the Guns N' Roses one, but man, that McCartney one. Like yeah. if you've got a good sound system, that's some damn good music. <laughs> When's the last time you listened to that? Ugh. Been a little while. Listen to it after we finish filming tonight. It's yeah. it's solid. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I reckon we go to the pub philosophers because we're starting to dribble. So yeah, we are. Let's head over to the pub philosophers if I can. I've forgotten how to do it. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> do 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 do
I love that <laughs> jingle that I somehow pulled together for that. It's, it's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, as you guys know, I've been traveling overseas. Um, saw some pretty cool things. Uh, one of the things that is kind of relevant for the philosophical stuff and the politics, I guess, is um, I saw the site where Caesar was killed. Hmm. So it hasn't been uncovered for a long time. Um, my understanding is they were clearing some stuff to develop the property and then uncovered something and they're like, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> which happens in Italy, particularly Rome, all the time. Yeah. Never yeah. try and build anything in Rome, like just never do it. Yeah. And um, then they realize, oh, holy crap, this is, this is where Caesar was assassinated. Like where the old political room used to be for the Senate. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, I couldn't actually go into it. So where it is like on the street, where all the cars are, it's a good like five to 10 meters down. So that's how they sort of unearthed it. It's sort of been mm. built up on. Um, but I could see everything and I got some photos of it and stuff. And that was cool. cool. Like being able to point to my kids and go like that right there. That's where Caesar yeah. was stabbed over and over again. Hmm. And um, that was awesome. The other thing that was really awesome was the Colosseum. Um, yeah. Just going in and they got this big cross up there for all the martyrs that got wrecked by Rome for the first couple hundred years of Christianity. And um, so the kids had a good look at that and walked around and yeah, it was, it was awesome. When I went to Rome, the, uh, I couldn't go in the Colosseum, um, so I only got to see it from the outside, which is a real shame. You couldn't get it's tickets done. or it wasn't open? I think it was open. I think they were doing some um, works or something like that at the time. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. But uh, still, impressive building, but yeah, such a shame I couldn't get in there at the time. We were really, like, really, really fortunate with our timing over there there were lots of places that we we were there for a day and we rocked up at no organized time just oh it's 10 30 we're here um we like there's one place which was in croatia which um used to be a emperor's holiday house and there's this big chapel with a bell tower there and we got there i think at like 10 30 in the morning and we're like all right we'll pay to go in here and look into the thing and then go upstairs and all that sort of stuff and then when we went to get the tickets um, there was a sign up saying at 1 p.m. it would be closed for the rest of the day for a wedding. Mm. And we were just like, oh, lucky we got out of bed and decided to do this first rather than uh, doing the other things first and coming here in the afternoon. Like, we just got lucky with that several times. Just things just made it or just, just got back after it got opened. And yeah, it was good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like it was a pretty amazing trip. Oh, dude, that was awesome. Loved it. Hmm. Um, but here you go. Here's a pub philosopher's question. If you could go to any site in the world from a philosophical interest, where would it be? Uh, Ruben, you go first. Does it have to be actually found or exist, or can it be just like... like Ooh. So do you mean like Plato's, actual, like the Republic? Like, yeah, can I say I want to go to the room where they actually discuss the Republic? We don't know where that is, but just like... You could what speculate that that could have happened. 
Or does it have to be an actual place that we actually know about? Well, the dialogue... No, it, does anyone think that that dialogue never happened? I don't um, think so. I think people accept that it happened. It's just a question of how accurately it was recorded. Well, and, it, and if it's really just like a whole bunch of separate conversations, it just yeah. kind of got stitched together. I think yeah, you could. Yeah. I think you could ask to be there with some integrity, because it, it seems to have happened at some level. <laughs> That's not where I go anyway. <laughs> um, but I'm just like I'm throwing out hypotheticals. Um, probably want to go to where. Uh, um, where the what do you call it? Where Caesar crossed the Rubicon? Because apparently it's a bit shit. Like it's not that green. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he crossed wearing red. Yeah. Mm. That's a good spot. Uh, how about you, Lachlan? Uh, look, I don't know. I, I don't think I've got anything like sort of uh, philosophical, so to speak. But. Um... But you know, if you were, if you're dropping me in the time machine, um, wait, wait, wait is the time machine in this scenario? <laughs> oh, well, you this you implied it. You implied it with the Republic room of like wanting to be absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So if we're going time machine, um, oh, it's the two yeah. categories: time machine, no time machine. <laughs> well, time machine, I want to I want to go to uh, um, ancient Egypt to the um, to the early pharaohs. Um, just cause I, I think that was just, um, uh, it's a very foundational sort of time for humanity. I think, um, there's just, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff sort of happening, <laughs> a lot of stuff. It sounds super vague, but I don't know. It's just, um, um, that part of the world was kind of the center of a lot of what sort of ended up being Western thinking and it's all sort of originated from from a lot of it's originated from there in that time so um i think that'd be pretty fascinating to be able to not to be able to understand anything but uh i don't know maybe you could get some um yeah i don't know just a bit of context for what the world was like then really rather than speculation yeah that'd be interesting mm. but um yeah, if I don't have the time machine, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I'd drop into. <laughs> what about you, Tim? I'm checking it out. <laughs> um, time machine, I'd love to go um, to Plato's ancestor, I think it's Solon, who met with the Egyptian record keepers, according to Plato's works about Atlantis, where they say they've got records of past cataclysmic events and that sort of stuff. I'd love to go and say, all right, show me those records. Let me see these things. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. How's your uh, cuneiform translation, Tim? Is it good? You know? <laughs> oh, I will say this. Um, Google Translate does not work when you look at the Egyptian, uh, what are they called? Hieroglyphs. Hieroglyphs. I tried it while I was in the Louvre and <laughs> uh, could not do it. <laughs> Trust me, Google, why don't you know ancient know. Egyptian? I'm like, hey, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> No time machine. Um, I don't know. I've been to a couple of cool places now. Um, I think I'd like to. This is not quite philosophy. I'd like to. I'd like to go to. 
like of no time machine to where Tolkien did his work. I just thought that would be interesting. Hmm. Oh yeah, the um, oh there's a bar. It's still there. Yeah, the, so where that, the inkling. That that would be good, because um, yeah, I've already been to like the pantheons and other things over in Greece and Italy, so. Hmm. I kind of tick those. Yeah, off. apparently you can still go to the bar where him and C.S. Lewis used to hang out. Yeah, see, that'd be cool. I'd dig that. Yeah, that I'd have to go like uh, Jerusalem in the Crusades, maybe. That would be interesting. Hmm. I would Depending on which I have a beard. Beard. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a pretty cool time. Mm. Um, you could verify if the Templars successfully stole the gold from under the Jewish temple, which the Romans never found when they destroyed the temple, which I think they did find. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which explains how they went from, you know, almost a dozen guys who didn't even have a horse each to as equally rich as the King of France. <laughs> so. Well, that uh, other book I was reading, which uh, I still haven't finished that one, so I feel bad about it. Um, was kind of talking about exactly that, Tim. Yep. Um, that's called the Hiram Key, I think it was called the book. Yep. Um, yeah. So they're, they're trying to track that track that down, uh, along with the beginnings of uh, Freemasonry. So I was sort of saying it's intertwined. So um, yeah. Interesting. It is. It is very interesting. Um, maybe we should do a season on. Some of those things that we're all interested in. That'd be fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, coming back to the book, I'm super pumped to read this. Um, for those listening, we hope that you are going to join us for the journey, reading some more Play Doh. It's always fun. And, um, gentlemen, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, see you next week. We'll get into it. All right, guys. Alright, peace out. Wait. See you later.